Welcome to Tabernacle of Praise, Church of God in Christ, where we believe in encouraging, empowering, and equipping people to live victoriously through Jesus Christ. Join us now as we enter into our worship experience. We pray that this service will be a blessing to you and your life. gratefulness hallelujah is flowing from my heart glory hallelujah how we bless how we honor the Lord then on today God has certainly been good to us hallelujah for which I am so grateful hallelujah when you look around and consider and all that's going on where we could be in a situation. But God, I am going to, and I just tell you in advance, I'm going to make reference to some of the lyrics in one of the previous praise and worship songs, and I just kind of give you a heads up now. It's just coincidental, not coincidental. It just so happens to be in line, amen, with, I believe, one of the things that the Lord wants me to, to say. Hallelujah. When I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope that it is because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Let's not take this place, this situation, this station in life for granted. God didn't have to do what he's done because the Lord is rich in mercy wherein he has loved us. Hallelujah. We certainly... Amen. Ought to do all that we can, certainly to advance the cause of Christ. Praise the Lord. I would like to address your attention to uh, a familiar passage of Scripture that most of us uh, are familiar with. There might be a few that are not quite familiar with it. Uh, the book of Jonah. Uh, the book of Jonah. Now, if you have your Bibles and you're going to look for it, let's kind of, let me just give you some instructions, okay? You know, it, you'll find it after Jeremiah and Daniel, and then you have to just turn a few pages at a time, because you're going to hit Obadiah, and then the next one is going to be Jonah. But Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, and then verse... Uh, uh, 14 through 17. I don't have time this morning to read the entire book. The story is about the entire book of, of Jonah. But afford me an opportunity to extrapolate from this text what I believe that the Lord wants to communicate to his people. So Jonah chapter 1 uh, verses 1 through 6 and then verses 14 through 17. When you have it say amen. I invite you to read along with me. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amenitai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish 
from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship unto the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the side of the ship. I guess he thought he was Jesus. And he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. And then when we skip to verse 14, it says, whereof they cried unto the Lord. And he said, we beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee. Let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, has done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The word of the Lord is blessed. We're going to pray. But I want to talk to you this morning from a thought. Guarding against self-government. I know that sounds a little weird. Guarding against self-government. Let's pray and I ask that you'd pray for me that God would certainly give us understanding. Precious Father, we honor you and we bless you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity that you've afforded us, oh God, the thought, the very thought, the idea that you would take this putrid flesh, oh God, and fill it with your spirit and cause it to become a vessel, God, to be able to communicate to your people, a conduit by which you might be able, God, to dispatch it and employ your word. We pray now, God, that you would certainly take control in this moment. God, we ask that you, oh God, as we hide ourselves behind the sacred desk, God, that you would be glorified, that you would take center stage. Have your way. Somebody, oh God, needs to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church on today. God, we have a desire to please you, Lord, but in many cases, God, we fail to do so because we ourselves get in the way. And so we ask you now, Lord, Enable us, O oh God, to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that you might exalt us, that you might demonstrate your goodness to the world through us. Have your way, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. 
we pray oh God and come against the idea of self-government and selfless selfishness self-centeredness oh God in the name of Jesus God let us never get to the place to where we think all of this is about us forget oh God that it's really all about you and so we ask that you would take control now have your way wrestle every foul spirit to the floor in the name of Jesus cast the devil out of the heart of the mind hallelujah cast him out oh God in the name of the in the name of Jesus God fill this room with your presence hallelujah cast out everything that's not like you so that we might be able to hear clearly what the spirit is saying to the church in Jesus' name we pray we say thank you Lord amen and amen and amen you may be seated guarding against self-government I feel as though I need to kind of give some of us you know this kind of warning uh, what I mean by this is when we have or feel like we can take the authority to govern our own selves in a somewhat spiritual way self-government is when when I when you take the authority the control over your own spiritual growth and development when you consciously decide that you don't you don't really need to counsel that regularly with God you know much better than God does how you're going to navigate your spiritual life and when you do that let me just tell you you are headed for trouble see the word of the Lord says and I'll probably come back to this there is a way that seems right to a man but the end thereof is death that's why the word would tell us in Proverbs 3 5 and 6 to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding because we have a tendency in our own understanding not necessarily to have the understanding of God and we very easily get off track and this book of Jonah is one of the few books in the Bible that when it opens up Elder Washington it opens up telling us about the rebellion of a of a church man of a God man not a sinner but of a God man and it allows us and affords us an opportunity where we see here the hero is also the culprit it starts with the primary and premier character of the story falling into disobedience as a result of him even though he's had a pretty lengthy and prosperous walk with the Lord getting to a place to where he believes that he knows the will of God better than God does and he begins to engage in what I call self-government and the Bible doesn't glamorize Jonah it doesn't depict him as someone who all he has done is heal the sick and raise the dead and spoke to the great kings and did everything, every single thing right. But rather, the Bible tells us that the prophet himself has a struggle. Jonah has been the topic of a lot of preaching. He has been the topic in many revivals 
conferences. He has been the subject of teaching and tapes and videos and you name it, Jonah has been the topic of it. He has been the prime candidate for preaching backslidden preachers back into right standing with God. He has been used to teach even the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ by reason of him going down into the sea, into the belly of a fish, and then being regurgitated out. I didn't read that part, but you can read it. It does happen. I'm sure that I will not lend anything new to this idea and this thought behind uh, Jonah's story that's not already relevant to you, but I just believe that God has directed me to actually share this because somebody has been struggling, glory to God, or is right now struggling with doing the will of God. And when I say the will of God, I'm not necessarily saying that you're committing sin, although you might be committing sin. But, but any time that we go against the will of God, that we go against the instruction of God, hallelujah, the word of the Lord says when we do that in disobedience, we go out of the presence of God. And so it becomes important for us to understand that any time that we take the reins, that we run the, the risk of going out of the presence of Almighty God. I thank God for, however, the Bible's transparency. Uh, even here, this great prophet of God, the, the, the Bible is not careful to actually point out to us his failures and his, his frailties and his fallacies, that he is actually human. Glory to God. But God, in all of, of the demonstration of the struggles that Jonah has, he, he, lead, he leaves us to believe or leads us to believe that Jonah is certainly the man of God that he's called. Because God doesn't have to have a perfect person in order to get his will done. As a matter of fact, that's why the word continues to tell us that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. So that the glory won't be of us, it'll be of him. And so God doesn't mind telling us that he still uses people that aren't perfect in order to, to, to bring about a perfect plan. We're living in a time right now, uh, in this generation, where Christianity has been damaged an awful lot, the theology of it, because we have not clearly defined in the way that we live this thing, what it really means to walk with God. We have paraded ourselves as though we have it all together, that we don't struggle with anything, that we live in goodly and godly houses, that we do everything right. We, have, uh, 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 that we used to sing a song, saved all day, no evil have I done. We've tried to make people think that we are perfect and so perfect that we don't make any mistakes. We have suggested that if you 
were really saved, that you would not have any struggles at all in obeying God. And we have looked down our noses pompously at other people and made negative comments about them concerning their struggles, doubting that they have had a real God experience at all. And the reality of all of this is not only do unbelievers have challenges in their faith, but we believers have challenges in our faith too. If it were not true, glory to God, the Bible would, we would have no evidence by which to encourage other people, glory to God, and encourage ourselves that, that we fall down, but we get up, that we miss the mark, but we come back, glory to God, hallelujah, and it encourages us to hang in there and don't give up and don't give in, that even when we get knocked down, we get back up. We dust ourselves off. We keep on going. But the Bible is very open and it's very honest and it's very transparent. And it shows us here in this text that regardless of what anybody or anyone thinks or says about Jonah, that Jonah is still God's man. And although this man has become familiar to us because of his inconsistencies, one cannot deny, glory to God, that he is a great prophet of God. See, what many of us have failed to understand when we hear the term spoken, that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance, it doesn't mean your repentance. It means that God doesn't repent. That if he gave it to you, he already knew your inconsistencies, your fallacies, your failures, your weaknesses before he gave it to you because he doesn't have to have you perfect in order to use what he's given you. One great man told me, however, glory to God, that it's a lot easier to perfect your gift than to perfect your character. That your gift will get you, hallelujah, into great places, but your character will help keep you there. And I suggest to you, whenever God got ready to turn a city upside down and he needed one prophet that could go into an entire city and cause it to repent and cause the city to repent all the way from the king you'll have to continue to read the the the, the book of Jonah from the cause the king to repent all the way down to the nobles all the way down to the people all the way down to the peasants when he got ready to do that he sent for Jonah and so this evidently at least in my own mind was not uh, Jonah's first assignment that he had been used by God to this extent before. He has been used in various situations to various degrees. Jonah, I believe, is an affluent individual, a successful man of God, one in whom the Spirit of God trusted enough to send him by himself into an entire city. 
And so in my mind, there is no question that Jonah loved God. Just like many of you, there is no question in my mind that, that you love God. There's no question of the authenticity of the call that was upon his life. There is no question of the commitment that he had to the service of God. But still, there are times when God will say things to you that will make you shake in your boots. And when God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh, quite frankly, he didn't want to. And let me just give you some insight. He didn't want to because he didn't like them. They were wicked. They were sinful. They, they were wretched. And he didn't like them. And what, what do you do when God says something to you that you don't want to do? I'll just let that marinate for a moment. What do you do when you have a wrong attitude toward the right thing? And I know someone is sitting here or sitting there in your living room, wherever you are, and you're thinking that that's not me. You can't relate to what I'm talking about because at least in your mind, it may lend itself to self-government that you have never done anything like this. But I suggest to you that no matter how long you have been saved, no matter to what degree God has used you, I don't care how holy you think you are. I don't care how regularly and often you speak in tongues that at some point in your life you have been faced with the prospect of, of God rule versus self rule. And if I could just testify that in my more than 50 years of walking with God and pastoring the church for more than 27 years and, and all of the other titles that come along with all of the services and things that, that I have given and my, my ability to have, have worked at every stage and level in the church, every, uh, uh, every uh, 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 jurisdictional national level in our church. It would look good on my resume if I was able to say that I have never disobeyed God. But in my testimony, I would have to confess to you, hallelujah, that is not true. I have disobeyed God. And I'm not proud of that. But I have. And sometimes it was done out of ignorance. And so if it was done out of ignorance, I would have to ask you to excuse me. And I wouldn't feel nearly as bad about saying that I have disobeyed God because I did it out of ignorance. And because it was ignorance, I can ask you to forgive me, have mercy on me, and believe that you would do it. But that's not all. You see, the truth of the matter is there were times when I knew what God wanted me to do. And it didn't fit into my plan at that particular time. And I consciously, of my own will and volition, decided I'm going to do something totally different from what you asked me to do. 
if I can testify just a little bit farther so I can give you clarity uh, on one particular instance, God said, I want you to pastor. And I told him, you got the wrong guy. You just blessed me with a prosperous business. I'm sending all of my kids to college. We're taking vacations. Glory to God. And quite frankly, I'm confused because if you gave me all of that, how is it now that you want to stop all of that just so I can pass to the church? And this went on for a year. I started losing hair. I started getting sick. And, and, and pretty soon you get to the point to where you, you assess things and you apologize and you ask the Lord, forgive me. Okay? And, and the truth of the matter is I have disobeyed and there's a possibility that, want, that I'll do it again. And so I ask that you would pray my strength in the Lord. Because I don't want to be guilty of disobeying God. But there is the possibility. Because we war all the time. We vacillate between spirituality and humanity. And sometimes humanity can kick in at the worst time ever. And I feel perfectly comfortable confessing that to you. Because I recognize one thing. That I'm not by myself in this. You have too. Y'all didn't say nothing over there. You have too. It may not have been that long ago that you and God got into a debate and you wanted to prefer your will over God's will. And there's not a person in here that's over one minute old that has not displayed some act of disobedience in one way or another. And yet, we expect to find, you know, we expect to find disobedience among sinners because that the lifestyle is committed to the disobedience and rebellion of God. But the issue here is that rebellion and disobedience does not stop with unbelievers that those of us who love God, those of us who desire to please God, those of us that would say in a testimony that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, like Jonah, occasionally we disobey. And under disobedience, one of the things that I want you to know is that being an opinionated individual often leads to disobedience. Since it's not a matter of loving God, since it's not a matter of God being God, since it's not a matter of us belonging to God, then we have to look a little bit deeper than whether or not we love him enough. Because it goes deeper than that. You can love God and still disobey God. How do I know that? How many people in here love your mama? Okay. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand again, but how many have disobeyed? I said, you don't have to raise your hand. It happens. 
And, and you, sometimes at the root of disobedience is an opinionated attitude. And people who are strongly opinionated have a more difficult time obeying God. Because disobedience is when there is a conflict between God's opinion and your opinion. And you get into a debate with God and you feel in your own mind you have such a strong argument that you choose your opinion over God's. It is someone who says, Lord, I know what you said. I know what your word says. I was listening to the evangelist when he was preaching. But I know you want me to go to Tarsus. Excuse me, to, to Jennifer. But I'm not going. I'm going to Tarsus. It's sort of like, it's sort of like, what Adam and Eve did in the garden, okay? Adam knew already, Eve did too, that the day that you eat of the tree in the midst of the garden, that day you'll surely die. And she started listening and they started listening to somebody other than God that helped shape their opinion about what God was really saying and ended up getting kicked out. God told Lot and his wife and his family, once you leave Sodom and Gomorrah, don't look back. Whatever you do, don't look back. And somebody thought that their opinion, glory to God, was, was better than God's opinion, looked back and turned into, you know the story. God told Saul, I want you to go into the Amalekites and I want you to kill everything. I want you to burn up everything. Don't let anything live. All the people, all the cattle, all everything, I want you to destroy it. He got over there, killed up a lot of stuff, but saw, saw some stuff that he liked. <laughs> because he is opinionated. And a strong opinion sometimes have the ability to to get yourself in trouble. And, and maybe you haven't disobeyed God to the, the degree of these illustrations, but all of us have disobeyed God to some extent. And if it just came down to nothing more than coming to church, when, when you say you're supposed to come to church, and let me rehearse in your hearing, Hebrews 10 25 that says that fail not the assembling of yourselves together as the matter of some is I, I know you're watching on live stream but that's not the same the Bible said fail not the assembly I'm gonna get off of that I'm not going there I just thought I would just since the light was red I thought I would just stop there for a minute Or, or, or something like do good to them that despitefully use you. Avoid foolish and unlearned questions for they gender strife. Okay? And then you allow yourself to get an argument into an argument over something that don't matter anyway and you end up becoming disjointed with the person that you're having a discussion with when it wasn't about anything and now you've got to figure out how to repair this breach. 
or something as simple as laughing and engaging in jesting and dirty jokes. Laughing at somebody else's stuff rather than leaving. How, let me get back to Jonah. Jonah has disobeyed God because quite frankly he did not want to go and use his gift. Uh, the gift, however, Brother Mill, that God gave him. But he didn't want to use it okay, to help the people of Nineveh. And I told you before, he didn't like them. Actually, what he wanted God to do, he wanted God to kill them. Because they were wicked and they were wild and they were whoredom, they were lewd, they were heathenistic. And, and he said to God, I don't want to use my gift for that. You ought to kill them. I'm not trying to go down there and use my gift to encourage them because if I do, God, hallelujah, you are so, you are too nice. You're too soft. And if I go down there and use it, then they're going to turn their lives around. And so I'm going to Tarshish because I want you to kill them. How many of you understand that God is not going to kill people just because you don't like them. Y'all got to help me with this. Maybe I'm just a little tired, you know. I'm operating on three and a half hours of sleep. But, 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 but you think you are so spiritual, so deep, glory to God, that just because somebody lied on you, Brother Bennett, talked about you, didn't pay you back on time when they said they were going to pay you back on time that now God should kill them and there you are sitting around mad rocks in your jaws having the nerve enough to pray in the Holy Ghost speak in tongues trying to convince God to kill them if that's you you're nothing but a Jonah I'm going to ask another question since I have your attention. How many of you have more than one child? Okay. And I like to think that if you have more than one child, at least one of them have disobeyed you. At least one of them have made you really angry. In the heat of the moment did you make a decision just because they disobeyed you oh I'm gonna kill them I mean you might have said that but I'm almost certain that you didn't mean that that was just a figure of speech and so God is saying to us I'm not gonna kill people just because you have a disagreement with them because Jonah had an opinion that was contrary to God's. And an opinion that, contra that is contrary to God always leads you away from the presence of God. It always is going to end up leading you into trouble. And disobedience comes when you feel that you have a legitimate excuse to go another way. I know what the scripture says, but I'm going a different way. I know I'm 
I'm supposed to bring my tithe into the storehouse. But my sister Clarice, she called me and told me that she was in trouble. Her rent was due. And even though her house is not the storehouse, she's my sister. And I want to help her. And I want to help her with that that's supposed to go to you. Uh, it's just a, it's a yellow light. I'm going to just run through it and then I'm going on. <clears throat> but the Bible said that the moment that Jonah got on the boat to go to Tarshish, that Jonah went away from the presence of the Lord. And disobedience will always take you away from the presence of the Lord, which suggests to me that the presence of God was not necessarily in Nineveh. The presence of the Lord was in obedience. And if you want to be in the presence of the Lord, then we need to get into the word of God. We need to obey the word of God. We need to find ourselves doing the word of God so that we can be in the presence of Almighty God. Opposite is also true. That when you begin to trust in you, when you begin to trust in your opinion more than God's opinion, then you'll find yourself out of the presence of God. And when you're out of the presence of God, anything can happen to you. You literally remove yourself from the safety of God's grace. Another thing happened when Jonah boarded the ship to Tarsus. The Bible said that as soon as he got on, God sent a storm. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Disobedience and storm. As soon as he demonstrated the disobedience, okay, God sent a storm. And this storm was never supposed to happen. Okay, if, Jonah, if Jonah had obeyed God, this storm would have never happened. This was not a normal storm. There are some storms that are. He that lives godly shall suffer persecution. And so storms will come in your life and out of your life. But, but sometimes we become the instrument that actually activates certain storms in our lives when we demonstrate disobedience. Because this storm was born out of Jonah's rebellion. If they would have had meteorologists back in that day, if they would have had channel 44, the weather channel, they would have been shocked and surprised because the storm wasn't supposed to be coming. There was no way for them to forecast a storm. There was nothing on the radar screen that would suggest that a storm was intimate at, at all. Who would have set sail going anywhere if they knew that they were going to run into the magnitude of the storm in which these guys ran into? This storm wasn't coming. It wasn't supposed to come. But when Jonah made a decision to rebel against God, to go against the will of God, God said, before I let you get away with it, now I'm coming up your street. Before I let you get away with it. Okay. Now, now, bear in mind, 
that, that many times in our rebellion, watch this, that when we rebel against God, it has implications. And many times it doesn't just affect us. Many times your d disobedience and your, re your rebellion will have an adverse effect on others around you. I mean, that's what happened with Jonah. Everything is fine. Jonah gets on the boat. Now everybody's got a problem. You disobey God. You're out of the will of God. You're in a place where you have absolutely no business being. And now a storm arises and everybody is impacted by one person's disobedience. And I want to tell somebody, when you gave your life to the Lord, God took you seriously. When you said, Lord, here I am. Take control. Have your way in me. God took you seriously. And you cannot just do whatever you want to do, okay, just because other people are doing it. I can't do what everybody else is. I can't even do what every other preacher is doing. God has certain strictions and guidelines, and, and I can't get mad at them because they get away with it, and I can't. God said, I want you to be right here. Because way I want to use you, I can't afford to let you go stray way out there and just do whatever you want to do. As long as the people were going to Tarshish, but God didn't have a problem with it. People were buying tickets and getting on board. God buying tickets and getting on board. Buying tickets and getting on board. God was cool. Just let them go. But when Jonah tried to do it, when you try to do it, I know I'm talking to somebody. When you try to do it, now, now God's got an attitude. And God said, I will spank you before I let you get away with it. And and do you know why God does that? Somebody ask me why. Because Peter says in 1 Peter 2 and 5 that ye also are the lively stones. You have built up a spiritual house, a royal priesthood of, uh, 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 of, of spiritual blessings acceptable to God by Christ. He says, unto you therefore which believe, he, Jesus, is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallow or they rejected, the same has now become the chief or the head corner. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense even to, the, to them that stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him that has called us out of darkness into this marvelous light and be not workers of iniquity. Be not workers of it. Why? Because you're special. You're the called out ones. 
You're the ecclesia. You're the church. Hallelujah. You're the one that's supposed to let my light so shine before men that they see my good works and glorify the Father. God has put a special anointing on you. He could have called anybody, but he called you and said, I want you to come out from among them and be separate, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to put my glory on the inside of you. David said in Psalm 116, 12, what shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? He said, this is what I do. I will take up the cup of salvation, call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord in the presence of all the people. Oh, Lord, I am truly your servant. I will offer up sacrifices of thanksgiving. Ultimately, that's what Jonah ended up doing in chapter 2, if you keep on reading it, when he found himself finally in the belly of a fish. Just let me give you a little bit of background on, that whole, on the whole story. Uh, you know, we, we read in the Word where uh, the, the, he got on board. They, 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 you know, they, they set sail. Huge storm comes up. It's tearing up everything. Folk are trying to do their best. They're throwing all their stuff overboard, thinking that if they make the boat lighter, they'll be able to make it through the storm. And they're throwing everything over, and the storm is just getting worse. And then the ship's master goes down into the side of the ship and he sees Jonah down there sleeping. They praying. They don't know what God to pray to. Just, he's just telling everybody, whatever your God has prayed to, tell him, man, lighten up. Let us make it through this. And he goes down there and sees Jonah and says, man, what is the issue? How is it that you, it's almost like what the disciples said to Jesus. The care is not that we perish. How are you going to just sleep through this? He said, get up and call on your God too. And then Jonah says, okay. He prays to the Lord and then he tells them, I'm the problem. Just throw me overboard. And the shipmaster said, we can't do that. And he tells the other guys, y'all row harder, row faster, because I don't want to throw this guy overboard. I have been able to, 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 to deduce that this guy is a prophet. He's a man of God. I'm not throwing him over. Y'all row harder. They row harder. The situation doesn't get any better. It continues to get worse. They finally have to throw this guy overboard. And then they're praying and asking God, Lord, please forgive us. We didn't want to do it and so forth and so on. And while they're praying, the, the sea gets calm. Because see, see, when God saves you, he doesn't just do it for your benefit. He, but more importantly, he does it for his glory. And he also does it for his good pleasure. He saves you because he wants to use you in a specific way. And many times we, we, we advocate that responsibility back to God. We just want the blessings. We just want the favor. We just want his hands. But we won't, don't want to do anything in service unto God. And coming to church is not service. Mm -hmm. 
Romans 12 says, present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And that's just your reasonable form of worship. That's nothing special. That's what everybody is expected to do. The devil goes to church. What's so special about you coming? You got to be able to do something more. We know we are no more our own, the Bible says. We are bought with a price. We are purchased by the efficacious blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so what that really means is that we don't get to call the shots anymore. He calls the shots. Jeremiah said in the book of Lamentations, and this is what I was talking about earlier. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. It is because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because of his compassions and that they fail not. Hallelujah. We are blessed by it every morning. We experience new mercies. Every morning that you wake up, God kissed you. Hallelujah. And says, this is the day that I've made for you. And our response to him is great is your faithfulness. Lord is my portion, said my soul. Therefore, will I have hope in him. And at this point, many of us begin to realize and know that it's impossible to self-govern and be in the will of God. Disobedience always leads us from the presence of the Lord. It was the Lord that saved me. Not me. It was the Lord that raised me. It was the Lord that, that, that sanctified me. It was the Lord. Somebody say it was the Lord that filled me with the Holy Ghost. It was the Lord that blessed me. It was the Lord that turned my life around. It was the Lord that healed me. It was the Lord that delivered me. So all of the glory, all of the honor, all of the praise, all of the service, all of the obedience goes to God. Let me, I'm over my time. Let me finish with this. Let me finish with this. So Jonah is there in the belly of the fish. He's surrounded by fish guts and whatever else was down in there the fish had swallowed. And I'm imagining, I'm just using my own imagination. It's hard for him to breathe. Hard for him to breathe. You know, stench is awful. He's got to do it for three days. It's uncomfortable. See, see God, can, God can afford the opportunity to put you in a situation. Has anybody ever been in a full Nelson? Everybody, anybody ever wrestle? They can put you in a, in a situation that make you tap out. Say, I give. And so, it's sweaty down there, it's hot, it's stinky, can't breathe. You know, you look around, there's no water to drink, there's no food to eat. And, and God wouldn't let him perish. He wouldn't let him starve to death, wouldn't let him get hungry, just made him stay there. And, and this is what it says here in verses four through ten in in chapter two and then I'm going to pray 
It says, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. He recognized I'm out of the will of God. Yet, I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compass me about, even to my soul. The depth closed me around about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. He's given me a description of what it was like being inside the fish. Okay? I went down to the bottoms of the mountain. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought me up my life from corruption, O Lord thy God. When my soul fainteth within me, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came in unto thee and into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with, thanks, with the voice of thanksgiving. He says the same thing here that David said in Psalm. He says, I'm going to give you thanksgiving and I'm going to pay my vow. Okay, I've had a change of heart. In other words, I see what being disobedient is really all about and I don't like it. I don't like the results of disobedience. He said, I'm going to pay my vow. Salvation is of the Lord. And then the Bible says in the 10th verse here, and the Lord spake to the fish. And the fish vomited jo Jonah out on dry land. Watch this and we'll pray. Chapter 3 verse 1. And you know in, in chapter 1, the Lord said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no, I'm going to Tarshish. In chapter 3, God says, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah a second time saying, arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. And the Bible says, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Okay. There was a saying, and we will pray. There was this commercial that come on television. It was a car repair company. And the guy's famous words were, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. You can do it the easy way or you can do it the hard way. But when you're mine, you're going to do it. We'll just stand all over the building. saved or not, whether you're in the sanctuary, whether you're worshiping online, there is the possibility that you've demonstrated some, some level, some degree of disobedience unto the Lord.
more than likely at some point in time you are or you will have to pay the consequences of that disobedience. But what I like about God is God affords us the privilege and the opportunity to make U-turns. You can come back. You can get it right. You can be forgiven. All of us have had that kind of experience with God where we have missed the mark, where we have chosen to do something other than what God is unctioning us or asking us to do. And I'm thankful that the word of the Lord really says to us, you know, that this I recall to my mind, therefore I hope, is because of God's mercies that we are not consumed. Lord has his hand on your life. The reason that you're even a part of this service is because the Lord has his hand up on your life. And so I want to pray for you, for us on today because all of us have the ability to be opinionated at some point and have the, the ability to prefer our our will over God's will but today we're asking the Lord to forgive us to help us enable us to be obedient because in being obedient we find ourselves in the presence of Almighty God not here to judge any word of the Lord says all have come short and so I realize that but I praise God that he's faithful, that he's forgiving. He says in his word, if we'll confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I would that you'd bow your heads with me at this time and as we pray, that you would personally, personally reflect on any area in which you perhaps have missed the mark. We're just believing that God is going to bring that to your attention so that you might be able to ask forgiveness for it. We really do want God to rule more than when we rule because when we rule, things go bad. When God rules, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. With bowed heads, precious Father, we honor you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you because you're faithful. Thank you because you're loving, you're patient, you're long-suffering. God, and we realize, Lord, that we're yours. Thank you that you would strive with us, that you would keep working out your will in us, that you never give up on us. That once you've made your mind up, God, you stick to the plan. Pray, God, that you would touch us right now. In the name of Jesus, touch, oh God, that backslider. In the name of Jesus, give them the way, oh God, to get back home. That person, oh God, that doesn't know you in the pardoning of their sins. God, let them know that it's easy to come to you. Hallelujah. You always have open arms for any that will come unto the Lord. He that will call upon the name of the Lord in no wise will you cast out those of us that love you, that know you. God, we realize, Lord, that 
it's not always easy, but we're asking you, God, to envelop us with your love. Continue your hand that's good upon us. God, mold us and make us. Do not give up on us, but keep striving with us, oh God, that you might perfect us. God, so that we might become those that you've called in this last and evil day. Bless us, oh God, to have a mind that was in Christ Jesus. That mind that will go into the highways and the hedges and compel men and women to come to Christ. In the name of Jesus, not be just satisfied. God, to live safe, come to church, live safe, come to church. But realize that there's a dying world out there. We have a message of hope. We need only to share it. We'd be amazed at what God would do if we would open up our mouths, give a reason for the hope that lies within us, what it would do in the lives of other people. Let it be unto us now, God. Saturate us in the name of Jesus. God, with your spirit, hallelujah, take out, oh God, hallelujah, anything that's not like you, all ungodliness, all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, that we might be able to perfect holiness in the fear of God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Do it for your glory, God. Don't leave us where we are. Hallelujah. Keep working on us. Keep challenging us. Keep priding us, oh God, in the name of Jesus until, God, we are conformed into the image of your Son. We'll be careful, God, to give you glory. We'll give you honor. We'll give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Somebody that loves the Lord, give him a hand of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Glory to the name of the Lord. Would you be seated for a moment? I just want to say. Thank you for listening today. If you want to learn more info about our church, visit us on our website at www.topchurchlv.com. We hope this message encouraged you to know you can live victoriously through Jesus Christ. Join us next week for another sermon to uplift your spirit.